Hello folks, welcome to the very first episode of Creative Voices. My name is Jeff, I'll be your host for this series. A very quick introduction to myself, I'm a commercial and wedding photographer, I'm also the owner of Treebark Store, a new space in Moycullen Village, just outside Galway. We're a specialty coffee bar that retails Irish crafts and goods, and we have a photo studio on site. So the concept behind Creative Voices is to spend some time talking to creatives in the industry, be it artists, artisans, people who work with their hands, or whatever we may find along the way, and talk to them about them and their product and their process. So today we're talking to Roswell Stanley, or Roz, we should say, uh, a native here to Ross Cahill near Mike Cullen, and Roz actually stocks his uh, product here in our store. And I guess maybe the best thing to do would be let Roz introduce himself and tell us about what he does. Thanks very much, Jeff. Um, yeah, so I, I live in Old Town. I moved to my Cullen in 97, and we built up in Old Town, and I built my workshop. I went to Letterfrack Furniture College, uh, studied there, and then I went to work for a guy down in Leash for two years, and then decided to try it for myself. So I started off with wood turning and uh, until I could build up uh, machines to make furniture, get back to what I was trained in. But I never forgot about the, the wood turning. I, I love the wood turning and the wood carving as well. So I did furniture for many years until the recession came and <laughs> killed all of the handmade crafts at that stage. But, uh, you know, luckily the, the smaller crafts were still uh, selling. I decided to, you know, at that time, I had customers were coming to me. So I decided, well, you know, after they stopped in the recession, I thought, well, why wait for the customer to come? Why not go and approach the shops and the customers? And so that's what I'm doing, and such as yourselves, the wonderful shop. And that seems to be working and building it back up again. So, And so did you much, very much shift from making larger pieces to working with smaller, more bespoke kind of design then, really? That's yeah. Well, my, the furniture was always bespoke and tailor-made, so people would come to me who couldn't find what they wanted in furniture shops. Which actually, funnily, we had such a time to find a square table when we moved into our house. <laughs> really? Maybe if I'd known you then, you could have sorted this out. Perfect. Uh, but that yeah, that kind of thing, and and as well as that, at that time it was the Celtic Tiger. Don't forget, people didn't mind, and they like a lot of the people I was making furniture for say had holiday homes second homes and all this kind of thing I might start with a dining table and chairs to kitchen table and chairs and go through the house like that you know so it was it was a great time but it was all handmade hardwood furniture you know um, the joints I used were you know dovetails Morrison tenons all the traditional jointing techniques I basically was trying to make furniture that was going to last so it was like today's antiques if you know what I mean Okay. That, that's yeah. what I was aiming for, you know. So. And did you find at the time that the desire from people who were buying your product was an aesthetic kind of level or more to fit their needs, as you said, because they couldn't find it somewhere else? It's, it was both. Um, a lot of people who came to me, they realized that the difference between, say, Ikea's furniture, nothing wrong with it, but mm. it, it's not built to last like like that and rather than coming because they would maybe have you know asked for a dining table that would stay in the family you know I've many of them said that we want we want to get a, a, a dining table made that you know that our kids can maybe so he's like on. basically creating their own antiques for future use nearly exactly yeah so that's interesting I never thought of it that way actually mm-hmm. 
and the decision that you made, as you said, was to move towards something a bit different rather than wait for the market to come to you. Yeah, well, when, you know, I mean, when that's stopped and you can't blame people at that time, it was it was scary. I thought, well, I have to now go back out and approach. And I, I had been in craft shops before, um, but then when I was making furniture and customers were coming to me through advertising in magazines and things, then I didn't need to approach craft shops, shops. and shops. So then I thought, okay, it's time now to go back out excuse me again and uh, and that's working out fine as well then you know getting yeah. the name out there and and this is a totally new product that yeah. I've come up with and it, it's amazing how the design came actually because it's a, it started off a little cube you know when I start my design process if you like no matter what I draw I tend to draw it within a cube structure you know for perspective yeah and so I was in a cafe and uh, I just I was drawing on a little sketch pad and I drew this and then I drew a circle up on the top and I was going to design some bowl some vase or something like that and I thought you know that's a nice simple shape mm. it's a hemisphere and a cube and I thought what I said, an egg cup you know and so then I looked up the internet and said but it's such a simple shape I said Surely loads of people. Have. Oh yeah, but I I couldn't find anyone, and it's not that I was I wasn't copywriting that shape anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And they're geometrical shapes; anyone can use them. And so I thought it's nice and simple. I'll, I'll make it, and I hand turned the inside of the hemisphere, which is different to um, a lot of companies that make say that kind of thing. They have a machine that does it, hmm. which leaves a very bad finish. Okay. Right, because the, the bit just tears the grain. And is that from a practical point of view for volume that they need to do that? Do you think, or is it just? Yeah, and well, they'll, and because of that, they're able to knock those out at a much cheaper price. Right. Do you know what I mean? But the finish isn't there. So I thought, well, I'm all about quality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I, um, I thought, well, if I just turn them, you know, yeah. and and see how that, and I, it's it's just it's a nicer finish with the yeah. chisel. And actually, maybe we should take a moment as well to tell people about the range and what we have uh, in stock here in the store. You mentioned the egg cup or the egg cube rather there, but I know you have a few others. Perhaps you might want to tell us about that. Yeah, so then, so I started with the, the egg cube and I thought, that's nice. Wouldn't it be nice to have a range? You know, look, say looking towards uh, people who make pottery, they have a range. And I thought, Isn't that, wouldn't that be a good idea? So I sat mm-hmm. down then to see what I could come up with. So I thought, well, what else would you need? I said, well, what about a sugar bowl? Mm. And so the sugar bowl is the exact same dimensions as four egg cubes okay. together. And then I thought, is there anything else I could make now that would kind of complement it, re- I suppose? Yeah, and, and relate to that, to the, to the size. So then I cut the sugar bowl in half, mm. and there was a shallow, shallower bowl then, um, which was a, a spice dish, you know. Mm. Now, these, these can be used for anything you want to use, but... I just find it helps people. I think um, people need a bit of guidance sometimes. Exactly. They're unsure when they've yeah. seen a, a unique product that what exactly purpose it fulfills. No more than myself. <clears throat> and then I thought, okay, now can I go bigger? So then the platter, uh, which I came up with, is four sugar dishes yes. together. Yes. Okay. So it all yeah, relates. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of modular nearly in a sense then. Modular. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. Um, so I also have then the kitchen cube, which just came out of um, someone wanted to buy uh, they wanted to buy f- say four egg cubes and a spice dish and a sugar dish and I just happened to put them all together one day 
as I was wrapping them up for them. And you looked at it. <laughs> and I just thought, hey, wouldn't that be nice? Because they all it all fits nicely t- together. Yeah. And I thought, if I could just wrap that simply with, say, some nice, you know, brown, almost looking handmade paper and a handmade string and that. And mm. that's that's how the Kitchen Cube came. And, and people really like that because it's like it's a gift ready to go. Yeah. Well, I think as well, I haven't seen it myself, obviously, in person. And actually, I love the smell of the, was the Danish oil you mentioned? Danish oil, yeah. As like, I think people have a desire for something that they can identify what it is, as you said. But being handmade, simplicity sometimes is almost better. Mm. Um, I think if you go too complicated, people feel removed from it, you know? And um, we've also spoken, I suppose, before about, you said you made a conscious decision to be more creative in your life. So you've another aspect, you're quite interested in music as well. Yeah, well, I gigged for a good few years now. I was 30 before I decided to... It was a dream I had since I was a teenager. Yeah. And I messed around with guitars and stuff like that. And then I turned 30 and I just thought, you know what, <laughs> let's <laughs> give it a never. go. Let's give it a go. So then I just I saw an ad um, for a band looking for a singer and uh, I joined that. And it went from there. And I, I gigged around Galway for about 10 years. Okay. Um, I played bass and I sang, and it was great. It was it was the pub scene, though it was mm. it was covers. So then the creativity in me was like, no, you weren't happy doing covers. You wanted to do it's, your own thing, yeah. So, but you know, um, I couldn't really find like musicians that were willing to go completely down that road. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, plus, I have kids, as you know, and um, being out at night was not easy. Yeah, having to get up early yeah. uh, with kids and weekend a lot of weekends were gone because you'd be out gigging the night before say weddings and whatnot. so I decided to just kind of park that there just a few years ago five years ago I said I'm just going to park that for a while but at home I still I have a little small little studio space and I mess around do you find that a, a good outlook? Because I, I spoke to another artist recently and they said that in some ways they find themselves motivated by the music they're listening to to create something do you find like for you especially when you're doing the wood turning that you need that kind of accompaniment of music to kind of help you concentrate or yeah, do you prefer to it depends on the mood I'm in for that mm. but definitely music helps with creation of design yeah it can definitely definitely depending on the type of music you listen to it can affect yeah. what you're about to create yes for sure <laughs> yeah. I think it goes for all kinds of things but yeah oh yeah I found out especially if you want to go for a run or go to the gym you'd better be very careful in your choice of music or you you definitely set yourself the wrong tempo yeah and uh, have you found then being self-employed as I've probably found myself and having kids the work-life balance yeah the pressure to both create the, the product and sell the product but also then to balance that with time at home for the kids how, how do you how do you manage that? I suppose. Well, that's the I'm the, all, like the oh, million dollar question, yeah, isn't it? The yeah, balance. I, um, I I always say the, the 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 biggest reward for being self-employed like that is having flexible time. Um, if you can, you know, depending on, on what you're doing like that. But I I can be flexible in that I can bring the kids to school, and I can collect the kids. And I'm lucky I have the workshop beside the house as well, so I can mm. come in for dinner and that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Um, I like that aspect of it, you know. Even you know, being self-employed can be tough, mm. you know, um, financially very tough sometimes. But and I suppose you said working from home. There, the one thing I found a little bit difficult working from a home office was that like creating that level of separation between what is work and what is home, and then actually getting a, a productive day's work done while at home. 
do you find that I suppose if the kids are going to school that's one thing but like when they're around do you, is your focus shifted a little do you find that was something I struggled with a good few years ago before yeah. I ever even had kids yeah I really had to put yourself in discipline the... there I had to so uh, for a while because I came from the PAYE situation yeah. where it was show up at nine and leave at five or half five yeah. and whatever you got done between that you got you got done mm. but it was it's different than when you're self-employed because you can't just punch in those hours without having mm. a yield yeah I suppose you could but you probably wouldn't last very long I'd imagine yeah, yeah exactly so my focus then went from I must be in the workshop from from nine to six yeah to I want to get this volume done today Okay. And I found that more beneficial, do you know what I mean? So I have a goal at the yeah. end of the day. And that way as well... You sort of created your own flexi time then in a way, have Exactly, you? yeah. So so that way then, if, if I know at the end of the day I, I want to have this much work done, then throughout the day, whatever happens, I just have to adjust. Mm. You know, it's kind of it's like the GPS car systems, you know, say, say if you have a destination... route. Yeah, exactly. If you veer <laughs> off, it'll still calculate you back into that. Yeah. So anyway, that's... And for anyone who's, shall we say, in a similar position to yourself, would you have any particular advice about like moving towards the more creative life or giving up the, as you call it, POE life to do your own thing? Don't, I mean, did you make a straight jump into it? I moved from Leash to Galway. Mm. So I, 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 had, I made a decision there that I actually, when I first moved to Galway, I worked delivering coleslaw. Okay. In a van, driving a van from four in the morning till five in the afternoon. Um, because, you know, I needed cash straight away. Um, and, you know, my parents said to me, what are you doing? Taking on, this isn't, you know, mm. you're not going to stick this. My dad was a lorry driver for years. Yeah. He did crazy hours for years. And he just, he just knew that I wasn't the type of person that would actually stick that. Yeah. He was absolutely right. So I stuck it for six weeks. Is and it was probably a very long six weeks, so I'd imagine, was it? It was actually, I stuck it for three before I handed him my notice. And then <laughs> I said, How long before I can go? I'll give you three weeks uh, to, to, to uh, train in another guy. Um, it was just, it was tough going, and it, there was no creativity in it whatsoever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I just, I needed that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so then I said, Look, I can't do that. There's no point in me looking for something else yet. Now let's see. So at the time, I was renting over near Ardrahan. And I asked the people, the, the landlords were rented from, did they have a shed I could start with? And they had a garage next door, and I started there. Just wood turning, because the only machines I had at that time was a wood lathe and a bandsaw. Yeah. And I, so I started with that, and then I started making products and putting them into shops. Okay. Just it built up slowly like that. And given uh, the access to equipment that you said you had there, how much of where you went from there was lessons in education that you'd learned through letter frack and so forth and how much of it was self-taught and kind of discovery of a more creative side to what you were doing yeah so in in letter frack wood turning wasn't on the curriculum i happened to learn it almost accidentally in that uh, there's a wonderful wood turner out there called angie williams i think is her name excellent wood turner you'd find her on the internet and she had a she has a workshop which is near the college, and she happened to be I think filling in for one of the tutors on this day. And the project I had designed needed wood turning, and so she gave me a quick demo that day of how to use the chisels and whatnot. Mm. And I loved it. Yeah. 
and then I could never let it go after that. Yeah. But wood turning wasn't actually on the curriculum at that time. Okay. And uh, the college has changed now. It's a much, it's a, it's a much more expansive course now. It mm. covers all different yeah. sites. Yeah, but back then, it was it was a more limited course. Not sure if I answered your question really. But oh no, I was just kind of curious um, because I have often found conversations, um, be it in my own industry and others as well, that like a lot of what people learned, yeah, they might have been put on the path by an education or direction, but anyone who I've found who actually does their own thing or is good at it has generally found that whatever they've learned within the system isn't sufficient for them and they've gone off and, and I suppose you can see that it wasn't actually part of the great climate the way you went was mm. by coincidence yeah I have to say this uh, I mean, when I when I was in Etterfrack it was a two year course and it was a lot crammed into two years but I really have learned a lot by actually doing it myself in my own workshop yeah. and problem solving yeah. I have learned a lot more yeah. since then that but I was young when I when I went there and like I said there was a lot of stuff crammed into two years yeah. so um, yeah I think I think you know uh, problem solving is a big part of being creative as well mm. otherwise if if you if you're afraid of problem solve everyone is a problem solver yeah. but if you're afraid to use that aspect then your designs are going to be very basic mm. because you won't allow yourself yeah, to create, you always have the safety net of yeah. yeah. Now there is a there is a limit as well. Like when I when I design as well, say the furniture, or whatnot. I do have to look around my workshop and say, do I have the machines to actually make yeah. without having to outsource? Because then that gets complicated yeah, if yeah. you outsource yeah. and things like that. So you know, but within reason, you know, you try not to limit yourself. Yeah, in the creativity. And given your own experience of being self-employed and kind of pursuing the more creative and artistic life, like. Would you be, shall we say, supportive of your own kids doing something similar? Or would you prefer them to go through a more formal education first? Or? No, I mean, no, I'll, I genuinely, I'll support my kids in whatever they want to do. Mm. And I may look back and regret that statement, yeah. but I genuinely believe that I will. Yeah. And my wife will as well. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, no, we all need guidance in the beginning. You know, everybody, yeah. you know, if you can, if you can go through a system that's been made up because that's what a lot of say courses and colleges are. Yeah. they're like someone has done it before and they thought okay this is going to be useful if I put this 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 into this little mm-hmm. package I, I see it as well because I've, I was trying to teach myself say Logic Pro and things like that for, for music on off YouTube yeah. and while there's so much on YouTube it's almost like there's too much yeah. it can be a bit overwhelming when you're looking for something so it's nice to have a bit of a structure to help you from the, from just in the beginning stages anyway until you get to a, a, a stage where you're like you know you're more mature in, in that process and you can actually make decisions yourself mm. on that so I would encourage them if they if they know what they want to do by mm. the time they're yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not everybody does I suppose the reason I ask is I had mm. a very interesting discussion the other day and it basically was saying that like a lot of self-identity is tied up with something that happened to uh, you as a youth so someone who's told that they're good at school will always try and do well because their sense of self-worth has come from accepting praise from others. And then they started to identify themselves then as, oh, yes, I'm good because I'm good at ABC. Right. So for me, I suppose, uh, you know, I was quite good at uh, school. I always got very good marks. And I thought, OK, well, that must be what I must do. I must go to college, go through the system, get a real job, whatever. And then it was only when we opened the restaurant and I found the opportunity to actually train to be a chef that I got, actually, you know what, I'm enjoying this. I kind of wish I'd done this sooner because that would have been maybe mid-20s. And then, as with everyone who becomes a photographer, especially a wedding photographer, I fell into that by accident as well, and I do enjoy that too. 
So I'm actually kind of enjoying this aspect of doing and creating rather than consuming. And I kind of wonder, is this something I should have pursued sooner or would it be just a case that I had identified myself so much because, not through any fault of uh, any adults or parents around me, but they probably obviously, given it was the 80s, told me, go to school, get an education and so forth. I just think that us as parents, given the life of small kids too, we've much more opportunities open to us these days. I don't have to take a nine to five job. I can take a gamble on doing something like this because Mm -hmm. the world in general and people are much more supportive Mm -hmm. of this. Even though I think we had a conversation that probably similar reactions to our families that when I left behind my previous business, you know, with the best one in the world, they thought I was crazy (laughs) to go and do my own thing. Sure. And did you find that like, you know, like given what you're doing now and you've been doing for a while, I can see how it fits in Ireland in 2019, but like 10 years ago where people are going like, what is it that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, my parents would worry yeah. if I didn't have a load of work on. And, you know, my mother, you know, the first thing, well, are you busy? And uh, in the beginning, I'd be too honest. And I said, well, no, I have a job on now, but I, I'm not sure what I have on, you know, the Next, week after that. Yeah. yeah, maybe you should just go get a job <laughs> straight away. <clears throat> you know, that was, maybe maybe forget about that for a while now. And I remember it got to a stage where she said to me, um, because because she knew I wasn't listening to her, she said, do you know what you should do? You should sell your machines and get a job. Do you know what I mean? So that there was no way so I could get back no to this. There's no way going back. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was amazing. Like um, When I first decided to go out on my own, um, they looked at me as if I had said, I'm running off to join the circus. Really? They looked at me like that. Yeah. And uh, But that's where they were coming from. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and the, probably that generation. It's also a generational thing too, to yeah. be fair, because, you know, I don't think our yeah. parents had the luxury of doing what they wanted to do. They just had the practicality of doing what we sure. needed. Sure. Given that, I suppose, we talk about the recession we just had, but I, I guess they lived through the late 70s and early 80s, which in Ireland, I'd imagine, from what I hear, wasn't exactly... Uh, yeah, I think there was a, uh, an even bigger recession back then. I'm not sure. But yeah, I hear mention of it, but it's funny that culturally it seems like it's belonged to the last generation so we don't seem to know about it mm. we only seem to be aware of our own suffering mm. you know yeah but the, I mean that recession that we've just kind of some people say we're out of maybe we are maybe we're not I yeah. don't know <laughs> see what breaks it does yeah. I don't know um, that, that, that was tough enough in mm. fairness you know um, it, when I opened the restaurant in 2009 people thought we were crazy right and oh. I just left the building trade um, which had when I'd entered it um, in construction in Roadstone in 2005 was at the peak and it was really at the real end of it in 2009 mm. so the thought that we were going out and spending money to open our own business people thought we were crazy but um, do you know what people still got to eat <laughs> and just like now that's people right. still have to drink coffee you know so that's right yeah um, yeah it's just interesting to see and um, have you had any particular like given say the early days when your parents weren't well, as I said, I'm sure they were concerned. Did you find that that level of concern from other people and maybe that element of doubt about doing it, did that struggle in some way affect your creativity or did it kind of reinforce your resolve to make it happen? It scared me, for sure, yeah. yeah. But I was always headstrong. Yeah. And uh, so I, I stuck with it. I, I knew what the alternative was. Yeah. And I'm, I just didn't want to go back to that. You know, and like I said, the, the delivering coleslaw from four in the morning. It was a powerful motivator. Yeah. Now, now you said it. That definitely was the kick I needed to yeah. kind of say, you know. This is not for me. This is not for me, you yeah. know. so And everyone's different. That's what people have to remember. I mean, 
it's a lifestyle thing at the moment. If you look on the internet or even listen to Gary Vay, you know that guy? He, oh, he's patron of Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, I mean, a lot of what he says is good advice. Some of it might be a little reckless for some people, but um, one thing I, I, I remember hearing was follow your, follow your passion. If you want to be successful at something, follow your passion. Mm-hmm. And that means don't, don't follow the notes and dollars. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Don't that, you yeah. know, money's never completely done it for me yeah. as far as work goes. Yeah, yeah. Ever, you know, and that's not saying you need money obviously to pay the bills. Yeah, Everybody yeah. knows this, yeah. you know, so we're not being completely reckless, but yeah. it's, I don't think you'll, people even that I know that do well, yeah. I see that they're doing well because they love what they're doing. Not because, not because of the, they're looking after the money. Exactly. Yeah. And well, my thing is interesting too is that for me, like, I would have thought that kids coming along would have made me go, well, no, let's just go back and take a job. But it actually, it's kind of motivated me more to be willing to take a chance to do something so that they can see that it's okay going forward in their lives to decide to do what they love Definitely. as long as it makes them happy and they can afford to mm. pay the bills. And more than that, like I wouldn't be particularly motivated by money right now. Mm. That sounds ridiculous when you say it. I know what your bank manager Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but like, end of the day, I can afford to, you know, pay my mortgage and mm. go for dinner once in a while and yeah. once I have time with my family I'm happy enough mm. did you find that as well like, I mean once the kids came along did that like give you any change in motivation a bit I thought it would more than it did yeah do you know what I mean yeah um, obviously there was extra responsibilities had yeah. to be done and more so when they started school yeah that's when the the extra costs really came in um, well, I've only had the very start of that and that is surprising how that yeah. can add up yeah Absolutely, and my my daughter started secondary school this year, and wow, yeah. that's a big gear shift. Yeah. Uh, that's a you know that's a big gear shift. Um, but you manage, you know, yeah. and you get through it. But I, I've been self-employed for so long now. You'd be a terrible employee. I I would be a terrible. Yeah, that's what I always say about myself. I would be an awful employee. <laughs> so yeah. I would. I would, and and I can see the benefits then of that on your. And your your mental state as well of not being in a job that you absolutely hate. It's okay to be in a job that you can get by and pay the bills, that that you, you know, and do what you have to do. Because mm. you know, I've spoken to people as well who don't know what they'd like to do, yeah. and so they're happy enough to stay where they are until they they do, or maybe they'll just stay doing that and they're just happy, you mm. know, enjoying themselves at the weekend, and that's fine too. Yeah. Like I say, everybody's every. That's the thing. Everybody is different. Different. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started out as well first you know the odd time I, I met people who didn't actually believe that they believed I should be in a, a, a pensionable job yes and they were looking at me like why would you want to do this you know do you, mm-hmm. do you not want a big car and a big house and, yeah. and really they were, they've never been my goals yeah, yeah. big house big car that kind of thing just a nice comfortable you know just to have a nice home yeah, that's what's important. Yeah, I suppose the important thing there is that you're identifying your happiness as not being something that you buy, but like how you are in your life and how you feel. You can't. You literally can't buy. You yeah. just can't buy that. Which you know, again, I, I find the older I get, I, I I suddenly get new interpretations of these things I used to like roll my eyes at and stuff like that, and I go, oh, it does make sense, but only because I got the perspective of it now. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have understood that before because it wouldn't have meant anything to me. Yeah, you know, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's an experience for sure. Yeah. And um, I suppose I made some little notes here now, so I don't want to throw you any curveballs as well. But uh, yeah, is there any like 
you know, not necessarily in the field of wood carving or wood turning or products, but is there anyone, anyone or anything in particular that gave you a bit of inspiration or continues to give you a bit of inspiration? Something that kind of like is a bit of a touchstone when you might be struggling with anything, be it the music or anything else, or even if it's a, a favorite album or a movie that you like to watch that gets you in a kind of happy place. Uh, spending spending time with my wife and kids really that's when I'm happiest yeah. and some people might think that's a no, cliche thing to say but genuinely that's that's when I'm happiest yeah. um, with them um, and it doesn't matter where we are what we're doing we try and get out a lot uh, out into nature whether it's cycling or climbing the diamond yeah. in Letter Frack yeah, or yeah. just for a walk with the dog or that kind of thing yeah. that really helps um, if you guys said about advice for anyone maybe starting out in self-employed in the creative world you can get you can get too focused mm. that's the best way I can describe it I often found that if I was too focused on something for too long I didn't feel great and I needed to kind of just leave it leave it for now just get out get some fresh air yeah. Uh, that probably goes for a lot of things but the creativity can just dry up for a little while do you know mm. what I mean um, and I often found then that just leave it walk away go have your lunch yeah. go have a cup of coffee down at the tree bar <laughs> store <laughs> best coffee this side of the shadow and um, and then come back to it yeah. and that really does work yeah. That at the time at the time I was like I had just read that you know somewhere just leave it go off and you know you're like oh but you know I've heard that before yeah, yeah. but I, it, it works it works for anyone no I found that too I found sometimes I've been facing into a particularly big edit for a job and uh, it can seem a bit daunting and sometimes you start looking at the photos and go man these are crap did I take these what was I doing <laughs> and then when you go away and get a bit of a fresh perspective you, you, you realise well I've just been looking at them for too long yeah. and I think it's the same as anything if you look at anything for too long you're just going to find the flaws and start to hate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I actually found that breaking my edits up into different sections for me is much more effective, you know, yeah. and I don't hate it by the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we've covered a good bit there. Um, we might just let everyone know um, about where they can find you online and also where they can find you in real life. Well, not find you in real life, but find your products in real life. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... My address is H91. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my website um, has all the details and, and all the links on the bottom. It's just roswellstanley.com. R-O-S-W-E-L-L, Stanley, that weird name that I was... Oh, should we touch, <laughs> should we touch on that for a moment? <laughs> if you like... I really had no part in it. So yeah. <laughs> my mother, uh, I've, I've asked her numerous times, where did, where did you get the name? Yeah. And she said, well, I just I saw it in a book and I liked it. Yeah. And I, I didn't happen to be in National Geographic by any chance, did it? Or had to do with aliens? <laughs> or she hadn't heard of the UFO so incident. So genuinely just a coincidence. Genuinely she liked the name. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> and did you find that like... I suppose what's great with having a unique game like yourself is that you can apply that to your product and it gives it the personal sense but it also gives it a bit of distinction too yeah. um, it's not like I don't mean any disrespect to any John Burke's out there but it's not John Burke design which doesn't sound as powerful in some ways as Roswell Stanley design well thank you yeah. for that um, I, I, I'll take that as a, as a compliment but I mean I, I know amazing designers who have yeah ordinary names for want of a better word oh yeah I suppose um, <laughs> I should rephrase that what I'm saying is that like it gives a sense of um, 
Not distinction wouldn't be the word looking for, but there is an element I of know, it. It piques people interest a little bit more. The, look, there is an advantage to having a different name in that I can have any gym, any email address I want, mm-hmm. um, and any Twitter or that kind of thing. And it's an icebreaker as well. Yeah. People actually, you know, they, it's a way of talking. I used to do craft fairs yeah. years ago as well, and uh, they'd see the name and they come up, and sometimes that would actually draw them to my stall. Yeah, yeah. The name, and they, they start asking me about the name before they'd actually start looking at the products. Yeah. So yeah, it can definitely be an advantage sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, we've probably talked for a good long while there. You can hear a car starting in the background as well. Um, so this is real life. <laughs> this is real life. Yeah. So we've talked for a good while there. Um, I know that we have a good selection of your range of items here in Tree Bark Store on my Cullen. And physically, where can people find your products other than here? Is there other locations? The other location at the moment is in Westport, in Liberties, down by the docks, down by the Keys, which is a, a lovely little cafe, come craft shop. Okay. yourselves here as well yeah. and all things Connemara in Clifton oh, yes. all the other places have closed for the winter so we'll be restocking places now for, say hopefully from after St. Patrick's onwards but they can always they can order from the website as well if they go down to the little shopping bag in the bottom Okay, that's from the Etsy store um, but come to the tree bark store <laughs> you, you just get the best coffee and you can look at the products and uh, I mean yeah. what, what, what an experience yeah. it's just well, we're quite happy to be here. It's nice to have, um, you know, locals such as yourself, um, as well as other Irish producers and craft makers. And I'm just fortunate that a lot of people I've encountered in my work as photography the last few years has been willing to come on board with us. And um, it's just nice to have a space that I'd, I'd like to think we have a pretty chill vibe that people can come and hang out. Absolutely. It's um, it's brilliant. And I'd, I'd love to formally welcome you as as a, as a shop to my column because definitely a welcome it's amazing that this used to be the post office oh, yeah. where I came so many times and now I'm here enjoying coffee yeah <laughs> it's brilliant don't, don't worry some people still think it's the post office we get at least once a week when someone drops in trying to bring a letter um, okay well I think we might wrap it up with that so Ross Great. thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us thank you Jay. And, I really uh, appreciate uh, first of all you taking my products into your shop yourself and Yvonne and because uh, it's just a wonderful space and to, to have see my products with the other amazing products yeah. that's just fantastic that means yeah. a lot as yeah. well you know to the products that are around your products really is is amazing so thank you very much for very that well. and the opportunity and for the opportunity of this podcast yeah, as well and thanks for being the um, guinea pig or sacrificial lamb I'm not sure which it is for the very first episode I'm honoured yeah thanks very much thank you Okay, folks, thank you very much for tuning in to the very first episode of Creative Voices. We're still getting the hang of some of our audio equipment, so if there are any unusual noise in the background, I do apologize for that, but I will get it better as we go along. We have a few episodes in the bag for you guys, so feel free to jump straight ahead into the next one if you'd like. Failing that, you can send us a message by finding us on Facebook or Instagram, TreeBarkStore. You can also uh, send us an email, hello at TreeBarkStore.com, or you can look up my photography website on www.p3bphotography.com. I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon and hearing a few more creative voices. Thanks very much and catch you on the next episode.